I would say that that's an attention to detail element that Kirby has not. Mark Rick, Mark Rick has lost control of the of the, of the wallpapers. Wallpapers. <laughs> Welcome to My Got a Podcast. I'm Jim Wood. In this episode, John Powell and I preview Georgia's SEC championship matchup with Alabama. We talk through what we're looking for in the game, and we answer questions from you, our listeners. As always, remember to check out the newly redesigned MyGotAPodcast.com to see our latest merch. And you can follow us on social media at MyGotAPodcast. Finally, we'd love for you to check out our presenting sponsor, Oxiatime, at Oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A-T-I-M-E.com. Now, let's join the conversation in progress. All right, John, another SEC championship preview episode. My got a podcast. Here we are, another SEC. Um it's it had to it had to be it had to be us. It had to be. It had, it had to, be. to be us in Alabama for all the marbles. Everything's on the line. Although we are recording this on Tuesday, so the CFP has come out and I I'm not a huge gambling man, but Alabama at number eight, if they were to win this game, seems still a pretty far stretch to make the CFP if they if they were to do that. Yeah, I, I put Alabama in the class of needs help. So needs help. Meaning like winning isn't necessarily enough. Um, other dominoes need to fall. I I don't know. That's how I feel. Stuart Mandel put something out today that he basically feels like the win over Georgia would be would vault them up so high that they would like jump to three and eliminate like the whole Texas debate. Um, But I considering Texas beat Alabama at Alabama. I don't know that I totally subscribe to that. So I don't know. I feel like they would need help, but the top four, I would say the top five um, from tonight's rankings being Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida state, Oregon. Those are the five teams that I feel like need no help. Uh, You win and you're in for those five. Got it. Yeah. Everybody, anybody lower to me needs something else to happen, even if they win. Yeah. I guess we're getting ahead of ahead of ourselves on the games of note this weekend. But um but yeah, yeah we can we can move circle back to that for sure. Yeah. So Georgia Georgia versus Alabama for, for the SEC title and what in my opinion is going to be the last of the what makes college football great era. Like in my opinion, yeah. this is a turning of the page in the annals of college football from the greatness of the sport to what I feel like is going to be the beginning of the end. <laughs> Man, you said you're like, you're like being like grumpier than me about this. <laughs> I'm very grumpy about it because here's the thing. Like it didn't hit me until it didn't hit me until uh, the Georgia tech game. Like mm-hmm. yeah, in, in a, in a 12 team t- playoff, that game doesn't matter. And in a 12 team playoff, this game doesn't matter. And those are special, like those are special things. Like those are special, special parts of college football that are losing their luster. No matter how you shake a stick at it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you base, you effectively saw Kirby treat this, the tech game, like it was a glorified practice. We had to win that game, Mm -hmm. but it was a glorified practice. Right. Imagine what it looks like when it's a glorified practice and it doesn't freaking matter. Right. And the other thing there is like, I, I do, you know, everyone says, well, you want to win, you want to get the bye week. 
and all that, or you want to get the playoff by, but I'm not sure. I don't know, man. Cause like, if you look at baseball now, right. You they, get that, they, you get that first, it. Yeah. <laughs> you get that early series win and then you're, you're hot and you're ready where the other team's been waiting. And so we're going to see, we're going to find out really quickly next year when you get into that opening round and you've got at least the higher seed teams with the home game, you know, that team wins in front of a raucous crowd at home. Who knows? They may go and then upset, you know, one of those top four seeds they got to buy. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, uh, getting a, getting an extra home game, like, like Tate Ratliff said, like you always want mm. one more. Yeah. Like that's, that's True. probably, a, that's probably a, a good thing about, about the playoff expansion is putting playoff games in a home and home or, you know, a home and away environment. Yeah. Um, but if you put, if you play your way, way into a top four seed with a buy, you don't get one, which is what's weird. Right. Which is weird. <laughs> so, super weird. So, like, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. It'll, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. But the point is, is that this is the last game on CBS. It's the last game of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the four team CFP, which frankly, in my opinion, has been pretty straightforward. I mean, yeah. I have a feeling in the CFP era, there's been a handful of situations where we've ended up in uh, the, our, where, where the teams that were left were basically wouldn't have been picked by the BCS, you know, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of like BCS that would have picked these teams kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's yeah. been nice to have a playoff where you actually have teams that have to have to win games. Like, I mean, yeah, you know, everybody had Michigan penciled when we played them and we, we blew the doors off of them and blew the yep. doors off of TCU, TCU blew beat up, beat up Michigan. So yeah. I think it's served as I think it has served its purpose. It has served a purpose, yes. And we had the great game with the uh, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rose Bowl. It, it brought Rose us Bowl. Rose Bowl, yeah. So, but you are kissing it goodbye um, yeah. because next year none of it matters. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, well, I, I I brought uh I brought a new bourbon this week, John. Oh, um, what'd you get? What'd you get? What'd you get? So me... this is a Yellowstone. Uh, uh, it is a Yellowstone handpicked collection uh, i got it from my local uh concord abc store so it's hand selected by concord abc Ooh, yeah, sword um, pick. it's a single stone. single barrel uh, 102 proof so um but john this is uh this is yellowstone uh drinking this on purpose because i hope the dogs take alabama to the train station take them to the train station <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it uh you take that piece of shit to the train station. <laughs> uh, I miss that show. It's been it's been it's been away for too long. Man, that show is 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 great. Even the offshoots have been great. I've I've really enjoyed the offshoots of that um, of that series. So what what did you bring this evening? I have another mixture of okay. of all the bourbons. Um, I have a mixture of what we've been drinking or what I've been drinking at the tailgates um, mm. this this year, which is the port. Isaac Bowman port barrel, um, nice flavorful bourbon finished in port barrels, which I'm a big port barrel, um, finished bourbon, uh, bourbon fan. And, um, let's see, I've got, I've got some of my, I've got some of that. I've got some of the elite bourbon, the, Mm -hmm. my infinity, infinity bottle. I've got some of the, the juke joint bourbon from, um, that I've been kind of has been a bit of a nostalgic pour for me from 2021, uh, cause I had a similar pour at the beginning of that season, which I kind of, 
um, drank all, all year long. And so I, I've been drinking a lot of that and some of our previews this season. Okay. Um, I've got a little bit of the four roses, small batch select that I was able to, I've actually have kept since 2021 with the national championship sticker that Mm -hmm. I, I made for that. I made for that bottle. So I poured a little bit of that in here. I've got a little bit of EHT, which has just been, you know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite bourbons. So it's a, it's a, it's a cocktail of all of the eliteness that has been from the last few years. Nice. Nice. I like it. Well, cheers. And, uh, to the last SEC, this is also the last SEC championship between the SEC East and West. Uh, it will be divisionless next year. So right. last one there, last one on CBS. Uh, so we can drink to that. Amen. All right. Well, not, not amen, but it is what it is. I know. Yeah, I know <laughs> what you mean. I know what you mean. All right. Let's run down the matchup. Uh, so kickoff is on Saturday at four o'clock uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I assume the roof will be closed. I heard that like contractually it has to be closed. Um, it's like regardless of the weather. Um, no swirling winds. No swirling winds. Correct. Controlled environment. Remember, you talk about that a lot with Stetson. <laughs> um, so the dogs come in 12-0, 8-0 in the SEC. Alabama also 8-0 in the SEC, but 11-1 with their only loss to future conference foe, Texas. Um, let's see. Dogs are ranked number one in all the polls. Alabama is eight everywhere, including the playoff, as you mentioned earlier. Like we said, last broadcast for CBS, Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson, and Jenny Dell on the sideline. And the official hashtag is hashtag SEC championship, the word championship written out. So that'll be a long one to include in the, in the tweet pregame all time history. This series, uh, Alabama leads the series 42, 26 and four. And the last meeting between these two teams, obviously the dogs won 33 to 18 in Indianapolis. So I just realized I did not look up what the weather was going to be like for those tailgating. Um, so it actually does look, there is some rain in the forecast. Rain was in the forecast last I looked. Yeah. So there is rain in the forecast. So if you're going to be down there and you're going to be tailgating, make sure you have a tent, uh, maybe your, your rain gear. The, it look, cause it looks like it's could rain until about around six or so. So it looks like it could be raining all the way up until kickoff. But once you get into the comforts of Mercedes Benz, you'll be nice and dry. Yeah, that's actually uh, day two of a uh, of a front coming through that starts on Friday. So okay. it's going to be wet. <laughs> Got it. Got it. All right. That is it for the batch up. JP, what do you have for us in the realm of fun facts? All right. I'll start off with my fun facts. Um, and then we'll get into Hasty's hard grit history. Um, all right. So... I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hit a couple of little things here and then uh, I'll, I'll expound on what Tuscaloosa is um, in, okay. in just a second. So do you know of any famous alumni from the university of Alabama? Um, are non, not sports related. Uh, okay. <laughs> Non-sports related. Shoot. I can't think of any offhand. I'm sure there's plenty. Okay. So there's a couple. Um, honestly, I was a little underwhelmed uh, okay. by the list of famous alumni. Um, and in fact, some of these people that are listed as uh, quote unquote alumni are not actually alumni as similar to <laughs> similar to earlier this season. Um, but Harper, Harper Lee, uh, fa- author okay. of the famous To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. I should have at- done that. Attended school, did not. Attended. Graduate. Okay. Did okay. not graduate. I assume because she was writing the, one of the great 
uh, Pulitzer Prize novels <laughs> to kill a mockingbird. It's a good one. Uh, let's see. So other, other notable alumni that I feel like are, you know, is not an alumni, but definitely attended and is notorious. Mm. Bernie, Bernie Madoff. <laughs> nice. Okay. A fraudster. Yes. <laughs> Uh, a fraudster attended Alabama. Uh, he 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 went for his freshman year, but ended up transferring to to Hofstra, um, okay. where, where he graduated from. But yeah, that was that was one of the fun ones. And then another fun one: um, famous actor from the Andy Griffith Show, Jim Neighbors. Okay, um, I believe he played uh, Barney. If I'm not mistaken, I'll check my math, but I believe he played Barney on that. Wasn't one. wasn't Barney Don Knotts? <laughs> uh, maybe I'm wrong on that one. Ben. I don't know. He go. Oh, he played Gomer. Sorry, Gomer. Okay, Pyle. there we go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. So Tuscaloosa, the actual founding of Tuscaloosa itself is actually rather tragic in and of itself. Do you have any idea about the history of Tuscaloosa? No, but I have a guess where this is going. Where? Right, well, what's your guess? No, you go ahead. Okay, so I'll start. I'll start with uh, Tuscaloosa. Just the name Tuscaloosa. Do you know what Tuscaloosa actually is or means? I don't. Uh, so Tuscaloosa is actually named for an Indian chief, Chief okay. Tus- Tuscaloosa. Um, it comes from a, a combining of Indian phrases "Tusca," meaning warrior, and "Lusa," meaning black. So black warrior. Okay. Um, so Tuscaloosa was actually founded um, after Andrew Jackson, um, who was president during the during the time in the 1800s. Um, you know, he basically disbanded the entire methodology that kept the Indian tribes separate, and he was a big driver of moving towards pushing them to being, you know, pushed onto reservations and basically combining them into the Indian like race, you know, mm. if you will, as opposed to the, you know, the creeks and, um, you know, that, that kind of thing, the tribe, the various tribes, he basically was a big, a big force in pushing them to be one big in, in native American tribe. Got it. Uh, there was a, there was a battle um, with the creeks. Um, and after that battle, a few years later, they founded Tuscaloosa uh, with the encroaching white population basically had been encroaching on the Native American land and they basically just took it. <laughs> so it. Tuscaloosa um, basically founded uh, off of off of settlers taking taking the land from Indians, which many, many cities in America could probably share that. But Tuscaloosa itself has actually got that name. Got it. Got it um but yeah so that's that's kind of the that's kind of the history there of of the city of of tuscaloosa and tuscaloosa is also home to the university of alabama as we all know and we are currently playing them so that leads me to jason's jason hasty's peregrine history um when thinking about sports history um, it's important to be mindful of the experience of of fans um i know that you you and I have shared unique experiences as we all have. And there's one particular game uh, with Georgia and Alabama where they met at Sanford stadium on October 2nd, 1976, which 
is is going to be very important for those of you that do remember <laughs> if if you were around for that game. Um, but if you weren't, I've got some news for you that you probably are going to be a little surprised about, as I was. Yeah. Jim, did you were you familiar with this before you before Jason sent this over? I was not, and I'm I'm eager to discuss this with, with my parents. <laughs> uh, uh, that's true. You know what? Yeah. I need I need to actually ask my dad about this. I didn't even think about that. My dad was uh, my dad was probably not there during this time. But so they I, were. Yeah, I mean, my parents were. Been a... My parents were out of college, but they were in Macon, so they were still in the state. So I'm curious if right. they what they know about heard, this. Heard about it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Friends. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. So again, Georgia and Alabama met in Sanford Stadium October 2nd, 1976. Georgia was undefeated and ranked number six in the AP poll, and Alabama had one loss and was ranked number 10. The game was notable, um, obviously, for a top 10 matchup. Georgia's defense, which is nicknamed Ronnie and the Runts for their small size outside of the defensive lineman Ronnie Swoops. Uh, they held Alabama's wishbone offense to only 163 yards, and the Bulldog offense put three touchdowns on the board for a 21 to nothing victory. Lord have mercy, can history please repeat itself? Uh, it was the first time Alabama had been shut out in 69 years. I wonder if they've been shut out since. Uh, I'd have to go back and take a look at that. Maybe we can really repeat that history. <laughs> wow. Uh, the, the most memorable aspect of this game, however, had nothing to do with what happened on the field. It had everything to do with what happened off the field. Alabama made the decision to stay at a hotel in Athens on the night before the game. This was a decision that they'd regret as Georgia fans kept the Alabama team awake all night. They surrounded the hotel with cars so that they could honk horns and shine their high beam headlights at the hotel through all hours of the night. During the game, a capacity crowd of 60,000 people filled Sanford Stadium while an estimated 12,000 fans watched the game from Sanford Bridge and, and the tracks. Again, who's that coming down the tracks? What's that coming down the tracks? What's that coming no, down the tracks? You don't want to upset people, John. Well, <laughs> well, we're talking about who know, in that case. That's true. True. Good call. <laughs> but but nonetheless, point point. <laughs> We've, we've triggered we've successfully triggered everyone uh, <laughs> the railroad uh, track crowd brought along kegs of beer to keep up their spirits during the game as they were known to do uh the wind sparked one of the largest parties in athens history and it was centered on millage avenue can you imagine that i don't know i can't imagine that from from our time at school i, I can't imagine what that must have been like but uh i bet it was epic the Athens Banner Herald described the scene on Millage as hysteria and compared it to the mass streaking events that had taken place on campus during the spring of 1974. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe Luke can tell us a little bit more about that. I don't know. <laughs> the, the red and black wrote that people were literally dancing in the streets, stopping cars to shake hands, kiss the pretty girls, and just generally talk about the dogs. Cars traveling from Five Points to Broad Street took over an hour to make the trip. Fraternity and sorority parties merged into a large open-air festival that the police could not control. So eventually, Millage Avenue between Five Points and Broad Street was closed to traffic, and the party was allowed to continue unabated. Jason says that he's had the pleasure of speaking with hundreds of Georgia fans each year. Some of, you, some of them have come through this year from these stories on the podcast, so... 
definitely go in and and have a, a conversation with Jason and check out the Dooley exhibit. But he says that almost all of them who were in Athens in 1976 bring up this event and how joyous it was. Hmm. We must always remember that what fans experience is oftentimes as meaningful and sometimes more meaningful as the contest on the field. Man. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Amen to that. Um, um, yeah. I, I was going to say, I've, I've been showing some stuff that Jason sent us. The only thing I have not shown while you were talking through that yet, John, was the ticket stubs from that okay, season. Let's, let, okay. So let's go back. Let's go okay. back to the, the pictures uh, uh, again. Okay. Okay, You want, I got the program up now. Okay. So the program, this is the program from, from the game, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that I want to note about this, um, you know, with the, the Ronnie and the runs, there are two names on this. uh, There are two names on this, uh, on this roster that should probably stick out like sore thumbs (laughs) for every, every person that knows Georgia football. Uh, There are two Tarashinskis on this on this roster, Joe Tarashinsky shows up on this roster. I can imagine that that boy was having fun on millage. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. But the, the, that's, that's like UGA royalty right there. Right. Like there's, oh, yeah. and, and I mentioned that to Jason and Jason said he's, he's convinced that there's pretty much al- almost always universally a Tarashinsky on the UGA <laughs> roster. Uh, yes. But not only Joe Tarashinsky, but also Wally. Wally Tereshinsky, which I was not familiar about Wally Tereshinsky, yeah, to, to be perfectly transparent. But uh, obviously the the Joes, <laughs> the Joes were were well known. <laughs> right, right. Um, the, nothing else sticks out other than the amazing Coke ad on that one. But um, right. the, the other the other really cool things that he, he sent through a, a, a picture from the game. But then, like Jim said, you know, the if you're on the YouTube, definitely go check it out. Um, check out check out the 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 full ticket allotment from 1976 that you can see there the let's just say that the ticket the ticket game has been upped over time um yes. I, I will i will say that i i love the coloration for the georgia tech game um that that i felt like was was had to have been purposeful yeah. um the other thing of note on on these tickets is that you'll see that they are a face value of $8 in 1976 mm. i was curious and i did the math um, I was told there would be no math, but we did the math. $8 in 1976 would be the equivalent of about $43 in today's, uh, in today's money. So a really good value for money uh, as, as it turns out, particularly for a team that, uh, you know, was, was so highly ranked. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. Shout out to Jason again for providing, uh, Hasty's hard grit history. Uh, the unofficial official historian only because it's funnier to say that. He's obviously the official historian. <laughs> how about how about the that 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 lineup the the roster for nineteen or not the roster the, the the home game schedule looked pretty solid. I know, yeah, Cal, South Carolina, Alabama, <laughs> Vanderbilt, Cincinnati, and Georgia Tech. Yeah. Cincinnati, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's, it was it was wilder back then than than it is now. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know if Cincinnati was any good back then, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that Cal and Alabama were. Yeah, at least at least was the the variety it was pretty cool. Right. Hey, even with the uh, Georgia Florida game being a neutral site back then, they're able to f- figure these things out. So who knows? Josh right, Brooks, right. We're, we're looking at you. All right, let's let's move on to the news and notes. Uh, and yes. uh, yeah, the news and notes are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. So be sure to go and check them out. I think today was the last day you could use the code Cyber Monday 
Um, so if that's still not working for you, you can always use the code HUNKERDOWN. Uh, that's our code. That'll get you 15% off of your first order from Homefield. Um, and we'd love it also if you'd hit up homefield.mygotapodcast.com to get there. Um, or you just over to, head over to mygotapodcast.com. We've got a spot where you can scroll down, click on a link to shop at Homefield. Uh, but they've got great vintage apparel. Uh, it's premium vintage apparel. They got some really cool old school Georgia logos. Uh, be sure to go check those out. And there's a sweet bomber jacket too. So if you're needing a needing a jacket this time of year, uh, head over to Homefield and check that out. So John, for the news and notes, basketball minute. The dogs defeated Winthrop over Thanksgiving uh, and home. And next up, we've got two games this week. We play at Florida State in the ACC SEC Challenge on Wednesday at nine fifteen p.m on the ACC network. So that's a big one. Excited to check that out. And then Friday, uh, 7 p.m. on SEC network or ESPN plus, if you can't make it playing against the Mercer bears. So we will be watching Mike White's squad there. Um, the other, I think the, the big piece of news you were recording on Tuesday this week that we wouldn't have known had we recorded on Monday is that Fran Brown, Georgia's defensive backs coach has been hired as Syracuse's head coach. No word yet officially on whether he will be remaining, you know, throughout the rest of the season. We've seen that before. Like when Dan Lanning got the Oregon head job, for example, he stayed at Georgia through the national, all the way through the postseason through national championship. I think some folks were kind of assuming that would would happen, but no official word on that as of yet. Yeah. I'm going to miss Fran Brown. That's for sure. Yeah. He's done. He's done good work. He's done good work. This is, you know, this is what happens when you have a premier program, though. People are going to come after your coaches. People coming for the coaches. I feel a little bit better about it after the names that I've heard. Uh, all the guys and the, the Dog Central crew have been, you know, rattling off multiple names. I guess that to a certain extent, that's probably one of the premier defensive, you know, one, one of the premier position coaching uh, roles uh, in the country would yeah. be to come in and, and, and coach our secondary uh, with Kirby Smart. Right, for sure. It, it probably would be the equivalent of like someone going to say like uh, Ohio State to, to coach wide receivers kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's fair. So let's see, from Kirby's press conference, just going to hit on a couple of injury notes. He got asked about Julian Humphrey and JDJ. He said they're week to week with their injuries, trying to get both those guys back. The only thing I will say on that is Julian Humphrey tweeted a picture of himself and said, go dogs. And then our guy, Trick or Trey, retweeted that and said, yes, that means he's playing. <laughs> so this is not inside sources or anything, but this is what was on Twitter by Trey. So I'm going to trust uh, TT7 on this one. So uh, I think we may actually see number 12 on the field at corner this weekend. Yes, uh, that would be amazing. Um, in my opinion, you know, getting getting number six off the field is probably <laughs> going to be a situation that would be favorable for us because when he is on the field, he's probably going to get picked on and we'll get to some of that later. <laughs> yeah. There was, and there were no, nothing in the press conference about any of the guys that missed the tech game. Uh, I mean, there's offensive guys. So we didn't see anything about lad Bowers, Tate, Rara. So we will wait yeah, and mean, see on that. You, you and I in the podcast after the podcast, we're kind of talking about that last time that, you know, it seemed like that they, you know, they had Tate suited up, they had Brock suited up. So like in yeah. an emergency or a bind, they probably could have played, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would assume that they're not going to miss this game. Right. 
And then the only other thing was a Tuesday media availability. Kendall Milton was uh, being interviewed and he said that today, Bloody Tuesday was one of the most physical, chippiest practices all year. So hopefully that's music to everyone's ear heading into the showdown with Alabama. I'll do a side note on player interviews. I've been super impressed. If you've watched the Kirby Smart All Access and if you've watched any of the press conferences in the lead up to the SEC title with like Cedric Van Pran, um, who else was up there? Uh, Kamari Lasseter was up there um, earlier this week as well. And all of them have been basically saying the same things. Uh, my biggest takeaway in the last couple of weeks in watching the players speak to the media is that they're completely focused and completely bought in. If that makes anybody feel any better. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's sure. saying, everybody's saying the same thing. It's almost like they're reading from talking points, to, but it, it genuinely feels that way. If that makes sense. Yeah, I know. That's perfect. I feel like that's the way we, that's the way we like it. You yeah. want them yet. Yeah, I feel like that, that means the message is getting through to them and, you know, they're not going to give any bulletin board material either because that's what everyone's trying to get out of them. The word of the week this week was connection, which I think is good because the feedback coming out of the tech game was that there wasn't as much connection. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that they're addressing some of the mistakes from last last game. Got it. Got it. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into some of these matchups. Talk about uh, starting off, I guess, when what we're looking for when Georgia has the ball. So the Georgia offense, the Alabama defense. So, so so Alabama defensive coordinator is Kevin Steele. It should be a familiar name. We've seen him around before. He was at Auburn a few years ago uh, for several years. So we're definitely familiar with him. But this is year one for him uh, at Alabama as defensive coordinator. <clears throat> the leading tackler for Alabama is freshman defensive back Caleb Downs. He was a big Georgia recruit target. He's a leading tackler with 95 total tackles. He also has two interceptions. Their leading interceptor is Tarian Arnold, the sophomore defensive back. He has five picks this year. And their sack leader is Dallas Turner, a junior, eight sacks on the season. He is uh he's a menace. Uh, you know, we've we've seen him before and he uh he he's good. He's good. One other person to call out, I wanted to call out, much like last week, we're dealing with some familiar faces on the other side of the field this week. So Tresman Marshall, the Georgia transfer linebacker, he has two and a half sacks and 50 total tackles on the season. So he has more tackles than uh, more tackles than Dallas Turner. Yeah. And he is, I believe he's, he's starting. So um, how the tables have turned there, we've got linebackers transferring from Georgia to Alabama to get playing time. Kind of, kind of crazy to think about that. It is kind of crazy. I imagine there's going to be a number of elevated emotions in in that regard on those guys that have moved on. Yeah, agreed. So, I mean, I guess what do you what do you what are you looking for there? I, I think obviously we talked about right. Like, will we see Tate? Will we see Ra Ra? Will we see Brock? Will we see Lad? So obviously that's something to look for. But in general, what are you looking for? So I would say that. One of the as you as you were just rattling some of those numbers off, right? So the biggest thing that that sticks out to me is the tackle. The leading tackler is a defensive back, and you and I talked about this earlier in the season. That you know, as the numbers were trending towards you know you know towards the season going going longer, like earlier in the season, we were we were commenting about how Tyke Smith and you know Javon Bullard, like they were they were the leading tacklers earlier in the season. And we saw our linebackers and, you know, defensive backs um, or, or 
our defensive linemen um, kind of take over there. Um, but, you know, I know Tyke Smith is is still our leading tackler, but um, he wasn't for a bit. Like, he is again. It just swapped for a little while. He wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't for a bit. He is again. <laughs> but, you know, that's something that kind of sticks out to me. Now, what I will say about the big the big difference there is that Tyke Smith is our leading tackler at 63 tackles like their leading tackler is a defensive back in almost 100 tackles right 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 what that tells me is that people are getting into the second level and i have a feeling that that's going to be the difference maker here is being able to get beyond the line of scrimmage and like i mean these these games between bama and georgia are always line of scrimmage games and if we can get their defensive back to be the, the leading tackler in the game that probably bodes well for us yeah for sure. For sure. I mean, they have, you know, Alabama has a pretty good defense this year. Um, so they're 17th in the FBS in total yards uh, allowed per game. They're 10th in success rate. So, you know, it's a good defense. You know, we, we mentioned Dallas Turner. Uh, that's what I'm going to be looking for is can we keep him in check? Because when we were having to focus, when we were putting our focus on Will Anderson two years ago, we actually were able to have a pretty good plan for Will Anderson. and slow him down. So can we slow Dallas Turner down? You're not going to, I don't think, I don't foresee us completely shutting him down, but can we slow him down? Can we keep, keep him in check? You can't uh, stop him. You can only hope to contain. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's that, you know, can we have, if we can have, if we have Brocky and Lad again, that can just create amazing mismatches, having them in a similar area to add to confusion would love to have that be the case. And then the other thing is with the running backs, we've talked about Kendall Milton lately, and he is the hot back right now. I I want to feed Kendall Milton. I would love to feature him. I'm going to be, one thing I'm going to be watching, like first play, I mean, Dejan has been the starter ever since he's come back, you know, for missing his first few games. Right. Who, who's going out there first? Is it going to be Dejan? It has been Dejan. Or is it going to be Kendall? Kendall is on fire right now. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's the first back out there. I mean, here's here's the thing. So I think that Kendall is is the hot hand. I would say that Kirby Smart would probably, if you were to ask him who's the starting running back, he'd probably say Kendall and he Kendall would. And you're, you're, you're totally right. You would say they're both the starter. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I mean, they're they're one A and one B, right? Like that's that's kind of been the approach. I feel like that. He, in my opinion, I think that he clearly likes Dejon Edwards' pass blocking ability um, because it feels like that he's out there a lot more. When I mean, I, I have no, I have no statistical data to to showcase this, but I have a feeling that's part of the reason why they want him out there is because he's so he makes the the play action game very effective. Right, right. So yeah, excited to see what Bobo dials up here going up against Kevin Steele, and you know I think. Carson Beck has, he is proven at this point and, you know, first SEC championship game start for him first game against Bama for him, but he's played on the road now in hostile environments. He's played in a big time neutral environment in the cocktail party. And, you know, like we said earlier, we'll have a controlled environment. You don't have to worry about the cold. You don't have to worry about the weather it's field turf, which is what we practice on at, at home in our practice facility. So I think those things all all bode, bode well for offense to be able to operate inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, so I think that one one area that's going to be interesting to watch is just the the overall the overall 
passing explosiveness that we're able to generate because that's a, that's one area where Alabama is not quite as good. Okay, um, they've been a little susceptible to some of these ex- explosive explosive plays. Kind of s- not too dissimilar to to us on um, on the running side of things. So uh, if 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 Carson Beck can throw for you know two seventy five two fifty. If he can hit his two fifty metric, uh, yeah. I like I like our I like our odds and I like our odds to increase in this game on on that. Agreed. Yeah, and I think we're we are back to we're back to that point of you know do what you do, keep your composure, protect the football. Yeah, you know because uh, we didn't we didn't do that against protect Georgia the Tech. football. Yeah, we didn't protect do that against Georgia. Need to protect the football. So yeah, agreed. So if you were <laughs> looking at these two teams on paper, they're very very similar. On both offense and on defense. Yeah. Um, the big difference is that Georgia is very much more efficient and they're very much more explosive than Alabama is. Yeah. Um, the Georgia offense is in the upper echelon of, you know, college football offenses, as we've seen, both from an efficiency and, you know, explosiveness. If you follow dog stats, you know, he's got some of these metrics up there and he's got everything beautifully graphed. Um, where you can see the offense versus the defense um, and and look at the success rates and all those things. So go check out Doc Stats uh, on Twitter and you can see some of those some of those graphics um, for yourself. But, you know, like I said, from a from a defensive standpoint, both of these teams are pretty, pretty evenly matched. Um, but on the offense is where these two teams kind of get disparate. Yeah. All right. Well, before we move on to the defense, why don't we take a moment to remind everyone that season four of My Gotta Podcast is presented by Oxia Time. So Oxia Time, they are American designed, Swiss made. So they're high end Swiss watches. You got to go check out their 2021 and 2022 Georgia National Championship collection. They have they have their own Oxia Time branded watches as well. So definitely go over to oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A-T-I-M-E. Dot com and you can check all of that out. You can also use the code hunker down to get 10% off your timepiece. So John and I have, I know John, you really enjoyed yours. I've enjoyed mine. I like to use the NATO band. You like to use your, uh, your steel band and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great timepiece. I love it. I love, uh, I've got the, the beautiful red, the red back background with the, the, there's, you can kind of see the, the power G's, um, they make up a design that kind of give it a, a bit of a, a herringbone pattern, if you will. But um, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's beautiful. Awesome. Well, shout out to Oxy time. Thanks again for being the presenting sponsor of season four of my God, a podcast. All right, let's talk about our defense, their offense. So what we're looking for when Alabama has the ball. So again, a first year coordinator. So Saban with, you know, two new coordinators this year, uh, offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese came over from Notre Dame. Also, I did want to had another notable offensive coach, John, tight ends coach Joe Cox. So <laughs> he's uh, he's still a tight ends coach for for the Tide. Joe Cox <sighs> memories. Anyway, so notable players, obviously, you know, quarterback Jalen Milrow. Uh, he's one fifty eight of two thirty eight for two thousand five hundred twenty six yards passing, twenty one touchdowns, six picks. Uh, he is also the third leading rusher on the team. 126 carries, 439 yards, and 12 touchdowns. They've got a pair of running backs in a pair of senior running backs in Jace McClellan 
He's got 803 yards and six touchdowns on 166 carries. And then Roy Dell Williams has 497 yards, four touchdowns on 94 attempts. Uh, at the receiver position, again, kind of a two top guys, uh, one being Jermaine Burton, the senior transfer from Georgia. He leads Alabama with 749 yards on 33 catches for seven touchdowns. And then sophomore Isaiah Bond, he's the one that caught the game winner against Auburn, I believe. Uh, he's got 39 catches, 542 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, one thing I do want to point out about Burton, so Burton has 749 this year. 197 of those were against Texas A&M in one game. So he exploded against Texas A&M. Um, so what are you looking for when Alabama's cut the ball, John? Uh, stop the run. Yeah. Set the edge. Stop the run. Yeah, if we can, if we can make Jalen, if we can make Jalen Milrow, um, if we can make Milrow one dimensional, um, I, I like our, I like our chances. Agreed. We're we are, you know, something we've we've talked about on the podcast before in the past is a uh, backyard football, right? And and dealing with a quarterback that likes to play backyard football, and th- that is what he does. He he holds the ball longer than any quarterback in FBS, I believe. I don't remember who to who to quote that on. I saw that on Twitter, so it must be true. Um, Carson Beck actually gets the, rid of the ball like the fastest. Um, I think of like I can't remember what the samples what what the subset was, but if it, maybe it was even just the SEC. Like Carson Beck actually releases the ball the fastest. Milrow takes the most time, but it's because he's he's extending plays with his legs, right? And he he'll he'll he will extend the play and throw it. Sometimes he'll run across the line of scrimmage and throw it. Uh, can't do that. Um, <laughs> But he'll even do that. Uh, but yeah, man, we gotta we have to have a plan there. I you know I don't know what we're gonna do there. Will we have a spy? I'm not really sure. But I know Kirby did talk about that about that in the press conference and talking about how there's there are multiple things you have to worry about. You have to worry about the design runs. Then it's a different thing to worry about the design runs versus the scrambles. So I don't know. And Kirby, we trust. I, I trust uh, Kirby and and Coach Shu and Coach Boom to come up with a plan for that. Yeah, I mean the other thing that I would say that, you know that you're looking for from from the the other thing that I would say that we're looking for is is just like I said the the running game like the running backs don't jump off the off the plate at you, right? Yeah, they no. no. Um their their leading rusher is averaging 4.8 yards per per carry. Um by contrast, you know, our <laughs> Dejon Edwards is averaging 5.3 yards per carry. Um, Kendall Milton's averaging 6.5 yards per carry. Um, they don't have any running back that's graded any, any better than either of our two starters, Dejan Edwards and Kendall Milton. Um, it doesn't, I don't see in the stats that I'm looking at right now, I don't see the, the yards per carry for, for Jalen Milrow from a, from a rushing standpoint. I know that that's kind of part of their, their game. Um, but if they're averaging 4.8 yards per carry, even if they're just hitting their averages, I still like our, I still like our, our, our chances there. Um, I think that we're going to be able to impact them to where they're going to have probably their season low um, from a running standpoint. And we're going to, we're going to put the game in, in Jalen Milrow's hands and we're going to challenge him to, to beat us through the air. Yeah. Cause I think that that's where we're going to be able to, to get him. Yeah. I agree. I, he he averages around three and a half yards a carry by my math, but that that might include sacks as attempts. I'm I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure. 
But shoot, I know, <laughs> I know George Foster said we're going to beat their uh, them and their wing T quarterback. So <laughs> <laughs> that wing T quarterback, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I mean, he's he struggled early, right? I mean, they switched quarterbacks. You know, they had that one game where they went through like three quarterbacks and didn't play him. I mean, he's definitely come on late. He had a huge moment against Auburn, declared he needed the Heisman in the postgame. But, you know, he's feeling it right now. And he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of confidence going to come, come in sky high. But I, I agree, man, if, if we can, we're going to focus on shutting down the run game and see if he can beat us through the air. Um, because it is a Georgia Alabama game. I will point out that their backup quarterback is Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame transfer. Came <laughs> yeah. with, with, we need to get Tyler Buckner's <laughs> stats up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess the only other thing I'll say is, you know, back in 2021, I feel like people are, you know, you, you, I've seen a lot of comparisons to coming into this game as to coming into the, the, the last SEC championship against these guys in the, in the 2021 season saying, you know, Georgia was 12 and zero, Georgia's number one, Auburn was coming in with one loss, had just, had just, you know, barely beaten Auburn that year, just like this year, that year went to multiple overtimes. And then we saw what Alabama did in that game. But I feel like, you know, we did, we had some weird things happen for us. I think there's been, you know, we've heard about flu, things like that, but also like our defensive right. scheme was very odd. You know, I, I know we went in thinking we were going to have a, there was an obvious plan that Georgia should have implemented and we went with something else and we don't know exactly what's going on there. So I think, you know, coaching growth, Kirby has continued to grow as a head coach. I think the staff has continued to grow. So it's not all about, you know, it is about the Jimmys and Joes, but I think it's it's scheme too, and I think you know they're all continuing to improve and get better, and I, I'm I, I feel like that's going to play a factor there as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I don't really know know what else to say about it other than we got we need to stop. We need to make them one dimensional. If we can yeah. if we can get him in a position where he has to throw the ball. Um, it's going to be a long, a long day in Athens and in, in Atlanta for for Alabama. Yeah, agreed. The only last thing I'll, I'll point out is uh, twenty three points allowed to Georgia Tech last week by the Georgia defense was actually the most points we've allowed in a game all season in a single game, mm -hmm. and uh, second most was twenty one points that we allowed to Missouri and UAB. So, Georgia what defense. Is, uh, con conversely, what's Alabama's numbers look like for the most points they've allowed? Yeah, yeah. So let's just, see. Just they, for just for fun, Jim. Yeah, so the, they gave up 28 to LSU, um, and then they gave up 24 to Auburn, and they gave up 34 to Texas. How, how do you give up 24 to Auburn? All right, let's see. Special teams nuggets. So looking at the special teams, Georgia obviously is still on the zero punts returned. Uh, so Brett Thorson has still yet to allow a, a punt be returned on the Alabama side. Uh, they have Will Reichard. Hopefully I'm getting that right. Senior kicker. He's 18 to 21 on field goals for the season. He is perfect on extra points, 50 for 50. He is a, and uh, now I'm blanking Lou Groza. He's a Lou Groza award finalist, uh, but he did, he missed a pretty critical one against Auburn, you know, and I think, uh, I think Brad and Gary kind of, kind of jinxed him talking about how, how well he had been playing. Uh, but missed a missed a pressure kick against Auburn, so something to watch for there. And I must report, John, that Alabama punter James Burnip is from Australia, and he is from <laughs> Pro Kick Australia. 
So with his name, I wasn't hundred percent sure. I was about to say, do these guys not even have an Australian kicker? Are they even serious? But they do. They do. So, and before we go down a rabbit hole of Googling, he appears to be actually like normal college age as well uh, from the math that I did. So for what it's worth, <laughs> but Hey, like you said, inside, no swirling winds. So we don't have to look for that. So on our side, I'm going to say kick touchbacks when we're kicking off. And then again, uh, protect the football. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, things I'll be looking for on special teams are, are no punt returns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh, speaking of, uh, we, we didn't talk about this because I think that the video kind of came out after we recorded our Georgia Tech review. Mm-hmm. But Pey- Peyton Woodring, uh, oh, a really, yes. a really cool, a really cool TikTok video that I have never seen anyone do before. Um, he basically was kicking from the corner horizontally through the uprights. Like the he is in he was in the corner of the end zone, like the in the end, end zone, zone, almost yeah. by the back pylon. The back pylon, yeah. He's yeah. basically kicking with zero angle into through the uprights, basically curving the ball around if you're a soccer player you know you, you'd banana kick you'd banana kick a corner kick or something like that into a small window that was that was pretty pretty impressive but to do that with a football from that far out outside yeah. in those windy conditions um it was was incredibly impressive if you've not seen the peyton woodring video definitely go and check it out on tiktok or instagram or twitter or whatever but yeah. uh it was it was definitely as a soccer player, I was I was thoroughly impressed because I know how hard that was. Is it fair to say that he bent it like Beckham, JP? <laughs> he bent it. He bent it like Beckham. <laughs> a Brit- British bulldog would appreciate that. Oh, uh, nice. Um, I guess the only other thing I'll say is their punt returner is Caleb Downs. So we mentioned him earlier, right? He was a uh, you know highly recruited. He's a freshman um, defensive back for them, uh, but he is also their punt returner. So just a how. How desperate do you think he's going to be to break up that that streak? To break the streak? I don't know. How desperate do you think? How how petty do you think Saban's going to be about that? <laughs> uh, you, do you, I mean, I wonder if they even have that on their radar at all. I mean, they've got I, to know because with I, all the I, analytics uh, they look at, I'm sure they know. I guarantee you they know because yeah. it's 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 probably sticking out like a sore thumb because he's one of their weapons, right? Like, right. They're yeah. going to want him to break th- break free and. I have a feeling that we're going to make it to where he's a non-factor. So again, that just goes back to that dynamic of special teams, you know, in a, in a tight game, all things being equal, these two teams statistically very similar, blah, blah, blah. Special teams can be the, can be the difference maker. So if you can pin someone back, if you can put them in a position where they want to get good field position and you take that opportunity away from them, um, it, it 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 really is a, a a super weapon in a tight game like this to be able to control the field in in such a way that they can't yeah. leverage one of the big weapons that they have available to them. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. <clears throat> All right, let's head to the listener questions, which are brought to you by Working Web Media. So be sure to head over to mygodapodcast.com, check out our newly redesigned site, and just know that Working Web Media, they did that for us. We weren't weren't happy with our site, set out to redo it over the off-season, 
and Working Web Media helped us out. So they got us set up with a new site. We were able to sit down with them, talk about what we wanted, what we were looking for, and they were they were able to deliver uh, in a very quick turn, turnaround time as well. So head over to workingwebmedia.com slash dogs. If you, maybe you've got a small business, maybe you need some help with your online presence, uh, but if you head over there, they'll know we sent you their way and you can schedule an appointment with them to talk through what your online needs are. All right, first up, we got a DM from Trent Thacker, friend of the show, uh, old friend of mine, hometown guy. Um, He said, I'm sure you guys and many of your listeners are similar to me in that I'm a bit superstitious, not just a little stitious. Since we started winning, I've been using the same koozie, drinking the same kind of beer during games, and wearing the same shirt to games. My koozie is on its last legs, and I really want to drink a different kind of beer. And I'm also ready for a new game day shirt. When can I stop doing all this? Can I stop once we win a third straight natty in January? Or do I have to keep doing all the same stuff until we actually lose again? I'll hang up and listen. I mean, I hate to break it to you, Trent. I think you have to keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, you got you to keep doing it. Yeah, sorry. I mean, you know, I said like that's, I actually instituted the the, the Hunter Jones approach of you have to have, you, you have like a, a game day set up that includes all of your apparel plus your koozie, right? And mm-hmm. you make sure that at least one thing is different every week. But I started that for the 2021 season. So I'm sticking to that. Um, I'll tell you what, I am not going to wear the hat that I wore during the 2021 SEC championship game on Saturday. I promise you that. I will not be wearing this, that that hat either because I think that you didn't we come out didn't we come out with these hats this season? Yeah, these are yeah these are new. These yeah, are the, the one that you hats. have on. Yeah, yeah. The new white my got a podcast rope hat available yes. on my, my got a podcast slash store. <laughs> yes, pick pick one up. Um, it sounds like you need to get a koozie, Jim. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Uh, Christmas Christmas present. <laughs> Amazing. Which which you can find on my got a podcast too, I think too, right? Or no? Uh, I, I think that you up? and I have you and I have koozies. I need to uh, figure, yeah. They don't have they don't have those for sale. Um we have to figure that out. Yeah. Figure that out. All right. Um, so sorry, Trent. But yes, yeah, yeah. so you have to you you have to keep doing you have to keep doing the same thing. I will tell you, I do not subscribe to this the the thing that Jim does because when I do wear different outfits, we have slow starts. When I don't wear the different when I wear my usual outfit. We don't have slow starts, so yeah. I I have a, a polo that I have to wear that I actually have worn since twenty one. Um, I mixed it up a little bit last year, but this year I went back to it and just have never. Uh, I, I, every time I wore something different, we we were we were having slow starts. And I mean, I was, I thought I could get the stink off of the twenty twenty one SEC championship hat when we played Vanderbilt this year and then the game started the way it did and i will never wear that hat during a game ever yeah. again ever look you yeah. can say these things don't matter but i don't know like <laughs> my experience says otherwise <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not superstitious but i'm a little stitious <laughs> uh, exactly oh man what a great what a great line um, all right yeah all right bobby wilson when the when the dog when the dogs win gosh bobby coming in hot when the dogs win, will Bama fans finally acknowledge how good UGA is and has been during this run? And does this signal the beginning of the end for Zabin? Thanks, guys. I'm sure this podcast will be a great one. I appreciate you know the uh, the high praise and uh, the the high bar being set there, Bobby. Ugh. Yes, thank you, I've, thank I, you so I, much. I've also since seen Bobby and Marler have some back and forth on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> this week. 
Uh, I just which, can't quit you. <laughs> I, I have a, I have an amazing picture of Bobby and and Marler talking to each other on the sidewalk after the natty in L in L A. But anyways, That's I mean, I, I haven't seen as much from Bam, quite as much from Bama fans this week as in the past. I ha, I've seen it starting to creep in. Um, but I mean, Mar- Marler has been probably the biggest the biggest yeah. Bama fan that I've seen talking mm-hmm. trash, mm-hmm. Uh, throwing up. Uh, what second and twenty six was the cookies that he made today? I think um, yeah, he had number he had the number two and twenty six on his uh, on his cookie man's, which he also had a UGA sucks. Which I mean, that's a bold strategy to be throwing up like uh, to allow a team to get into your head so much that you have to make a cookie with their name on it for your Christmas cookie <laughs> <laughs> manufacturing. Uh, I can safely say that you will never find me putting Alabama on any of my Christmas cookies that we're going to be making this season, mm. uh, which we do on Christmas Eve, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of nervousness out there amongst the, ba- the Bammers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Like I said, I think that uh, Marler has, has kind of put himself out there as the, the the what what's the the vault Voldemort or whatever he, he, oh, he, Voldemort Voldemort yeah. yeah he's he's the he's the he's the Bama sacrificial lamb right now uh, as far as I've seen yeah I, I would to say answer, to answer the question I would say is they will never acknowledge that they will never ever acknowledge that uh, all all that we can hope for is that they don't have any wide receivers or quarterbacks get knocked out or anything like that and then they have no excuses but then I can guarantee you as soon as as soon as the you know the clock strikes zero and UGA is is a victorious and they're they're sent home in tears and maybe maybe the stadium's completely empty and devoid of Alabama fans by and large at the end of the game, but what you're going to hear from that point moving forward was that oh this is a rebuilding year this is the worst Alabama team Saban's had we'll be back next year you're not going to be able to beat us next year blah 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 yep totally agree totally agree. As far as the end of Saban, I, I, I'm at the point now where I just think it's it's going to be age, and right, that's it. So we're we just got to wait till he hits his certain age where Miss Terry tells him he has to retire. So I don't know. The guy, the guy has basically willed willed this team to an eleven and one record, <laughs> which yeah. is just crazy to me. Yeah, agreed. Wait, eleven and one? Is it eleven and one? Yeah, yeah. eleven and one. Yeah. You got yeah, it right. One. You got it. Yeah. Stop questioning yourself. You got you got this. Sorry. Right. <laughs> all right fletcher proctor i was nervous before the 2021 sec championship game i was nervous before the 2022 cfp championship but then kirby won in indy and then in la i'm not nervous entering this game kirby has become the best big game coach in college football what Agreed. is the opposite what is the opposite of munsoning um and i have to include that fletcher included a gif it was kevin McAllister in home alone saying i'm not afraid anymore when he's walking out of the house yes so yes Ooh man i will yeah. say that that probably wasn't the best gift because immediately what happened after that is the the, the man with the salt uh old man uh what's i can't remember old man whatever the guy with the salt yeah 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 the guy came, like, came came out of nowhere and he comes he goes running back into the house screaming so I don't hey, like the I don't like the omens there. <laughs> they became friends in the end, John. You just got to go a little. In the you got to go a little further. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would say the opposite of Munsoning would be Goldberging. <laughs> who's, okay, who's next? I like that. I like that. I was going to say Kirbying, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say Kirby Yang. Is it Kirby Yang though? Kirby doesn't really say we're gonna win. So he doesn't, but Goldberg does. He Goldberg says, does. Yeah. Who's, not who, who's next? Not 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 Ric Flair. I think that was a suggestion. No, absolutely not Ric Flair. No. Um, I I appreciate that that entry. However, if you are a listener of this podcast and not on the Twitters and not on the gift game, um, I have. I have an amazing gift of Ric Flair as a Georgia fan. And I tweeted it out last year or whenever it was that, that he was like at game day with everybody. And somebody responded, was like, you know, he's like a Florida fan. Right. And I was, and I was confused. And so I, I went back and I looked and like, basically he's just a chameleon for attention basically, which surprised. Yes. Right? He, he hops from team to team. Hops from team to team, which right he was now Michigan he's, last year. Or something. He's really big on Michigan. Apparently yeah, still. I, I, I yeah. Whatever, whatever, dude. Okay, we'll go Goldberging. I like that. I so when that happened, I've got a, I've got a gif that from the podcast. It's it's Goldberg like flipping Ric Flair. By the way, so you, we got to go with that one. All right, uh, fifty-one to seven GATA. What's y'all's favorite SEC championship win? Uh, two thousand two Arkansas, uh, about time. Two thousand five LSU, uh, DJ's moment. Twenty seventeen Auburn going to the playoff. Uh, 2022 LSU undefeated going into the playoff. Do you do you have a favorite? Uh, I mean, selfishly, it's it's 2005 because I was there. Okay, I have the I have the same reasoning. So minus 2002 because I was there. <laughs> yeah, 2005 and, was pretty phenomenal. I I remember 2002, um, but I was not there. Okay, yeah, 2002. I was there with my whole family. Um, basically the crew that was at Fripp for Thanksgiving, minus all the, the children, because none of them were born yet. Um, <laughs> and, and we were all there together. And, uh, I mean, that was the first, that was the first SEC championship game win for Georgia. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like George Foster said, it was sweeter than a Cinnabon. Sweeter than a Cinnabon. I like it. <laughs> yeah. My, my rationale on that was because. I actually was playing soccer for um, like a, a travel team, like after college, a local travel team. Um, and one of the guys that was on the team is an LSU fan, and he invited me to go to the games. And <laughs> I had no idea before the game that I was going to be sitting amongst LSU alumni. Mm. Um, but I was like completely surrounded by LSU fans, and I had a good old time in in that game. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, dude. It's fun. It's fun. I haven't been since 2003. So yeah, I was kind of hoping hoping that uh, that Milrose pass was going to fall incomplete on the last game because Mm. I was kind of hoping that the the ticket prices would fall as a result of that. Oh, they actually went up 100 bucks since we've started recording, uh, which is which is amazing. (laughs) Nice. Um, Oh, no, I take that back. That was just uh, no, they've actually they've actually stayed pretty consistent the last few weeks. I've been kind of watching the secondary market. Looks like four hundred and forty two bucks is the get in price, which is just crazy wow. to me. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy. It's not like uh, eight bucks in nineteen seventy six. Eight bucks or forty three bucks or whatever. Uh, all right, let's see. Jimmy Duncan, uh, another compliment. Great job all season with the podcast. Which coach will be interviewed going into halftime, and what will be the dumb question? <laughs> um it will probably be nick saban how do you stop parson beck oh oh that's i like that um that's my my prediction 
I also think it'll be Saban. Um, and he's going to he's gonna be asked, how did you let... McConkey, he got on his donkey! <laughs> Sorry. That's my prediction. All right. I, I love it. TJ Witten. No Brock Bowers and no Lad McConkey against Tech. Perhaps a little more manufactured adversity for this team before the SEC championship game. With that being said, do y'all think that we have finally broken the curse of the Benz? Um, I just want to add Gene Farnborough also asked about those same players. Um, he wanted to know were they actually unable to go versus tech or were they being or were they being saved for the SEC championship game? Maybe Kirby playing some chess again. So Kirby had I, kind of a weird answer about that, right? I think it's a combination. Yeah. I think it's a combination of holding them back versus saving them um, versus actually they, they've been hurt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we know Ladd has been hurt basically all season. We know Brock had surgery and Tate basically, was it an MCL sprain or something like that? Or Man, I, I've forgotten again. He, they banged knees. I think it was, I feel like it was just Bang, like a, oh, yeah, it was, it was deep, like a contusion, contusion or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a deep yeah. contusion yeah. is usually what they call that. So, I would say that uh, by and large, there's some validity to holding them out from an injury standpoint, uh, because like I said, you know, Brock, Brock, you know, remember he had that, he had that, that situation, was it in the Ole Miss game where he kind of like came up a little bit? It was Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. Tennessee, on the sideline where he got up kind of gimpy. Yeah. He got up kind of gimpy and lad, as we've known, has had the back issues all season long. And he had the ankle boot that he was in for the. Which game was that for? Coming off of Ole Miss. Coming out of Ole Miss, yeah. yeah. So he was he was in he was in the boot all week long. So like, there's some legitimacy to some of these. And Ra Ra was, you know, a fairly recent injury too. I mean, didn't seem like it was too substantial, but I feel like it's one of those situations where they just didn't want them to seriously exacerbate any of those things to yeah. rule them out of this game and any future contests. Agreed. Agreed. As far as the curse of the Benz, I mean, yeah, you know, I would say that the curse of the Benz is not really a thing because we've won an SEC championship in the Benz. We've won an SEC championship in the Benz. The last time we played in the Benz, we waxed Oregon. So, right. Yeah. You know. um, I would say what you're probably well, actually sorry. The last time, oh man, I'm skipping a game. The last time we played in the Benz, we beat Ohio State. Sorry. Right. You <laughs> want to leave that out. So, I guess the last two times we played there, we, we waxed and Oregon we, and then we beat Ohio State. And we beat Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was at the Benz, right? Yeah, the Cincinnati game. Yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. that was the Peach Bowl. Right, right. That's it was the thought. COVID the COVID Peach Bowl. The COVID Peach Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So we we've definitely won in the Benz. I believe that, that question was maybe phrase was meant to be intended to be phrased the Bama curse at the Benz. Right. Yeah. I mean, we have so we have not beaten Alabama at the Benz. That is a true statement. So, Correct. Yeah. So. I would say that by definition, if that's the the intention of that question, we have not broken the curse, but we will. I like it. I like it. All right. Red building. One, how many points are the refs going to cost us? Hey, SEC refs this week. Uh, I don't know. Kirby did say about that. Something along the lines of like. We have ACC refs this week? Really? No, no, no. SEC. We had ACC oh, last okay. week. Okay. And so that was the problem. And Kirby okay. said that apparently the refs in the ACC just average more penalties like they call more penalties so <laughs> that was his way of kind of like some getting around quiet, some quiet shade <laughs> exactly exactly so hopefully we're good to go there uh and then he said too if if alabama wins if alabama wins and it's intercepted caught by the bulldogs of the 20 to the 25 
the 50, now near now the 40, near the sideline to the 20, to the 15, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Georgia, on their second interception of the night. Well played, Brett. <laughs> well played. Well played. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I've busted that out this week. I need to bust that out on Marler at some point this week. Yeah, yeah. I, I used it. I can't remember what it was, but I, I used it on somebody last week. It's uh, It's still fun to do. <laughs> it's still fun to do. Uh, the other thing I'll tell you, I talked to Brett today. Uh, we were texting because he was he was saying, uh, at what point do I need to be worried that the wallpaper uh-uh. hasn't come out yet? Um, <laughs> Is it Friday? <laughs> so uh, we decided five o'clock on Wednesday. Um, if there's no official wallpaper out from the Georgia Twitter account, uh, I might riot because um, I, I had already done the re- I had already been. Re- I was like, Brett, don't worry. I've already been looking into this today. I was seeing like when they tend to come out. They usually come out Monday or Tuesday. But the Tennessee one did come out on the Wednesday before the Tennessee game. So I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? I haven't been looking at my phone. Maybe it came out while I've been recording. I doubt it. We need to get we need to get some of these uh, McGill Society folks together to to figure out who's in charge of that. I would say that that's an attention to detail element that Kirby has not. Mark Rick, Mark Richt has lost control of the of the, of the wallpapers. <laughs> wallpapers. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. All right, let's see. Chad Jarvis, what's the worry meter at? And how many times does Gary gloat over how good Alabama and Milrow are? I mean, uh, my, my I worry meter is not crazy. I don't think he's going to be gloating about how good Milrow is, but um, maybe in the running game, to certain elements, because like I have a feeling that he's going to break some runs, but mm-hmm. just because, just because, like we've we've shown we've had a propensity, and they uh, Georgia Tech put some film up. Uh, Buster Faulkner was able to scheme some things yeah. that uh, exacerbated our problems. The The issue that I would take with that is that, like I said, like we talked about in the, in the review is that <clears throat> we played pretty, pretty flat, I guess, for, for lack of a better description or pr- pretty vanilla um, mm-hmm. in all of the big games this season, we've outperformed our expectations. Yeah. Agreed. that's 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 the worry the worry meter that i have there is that we've outperformed expectations on every big game um i guess if you were to put it on a scale of one to ten like what's your worry no i just i I just don't worry anymore like munson is dead like i don't see any point in it what is the point of me getting worked up about it about now i'm gonna go into it now right before the game i get worried before every game like right at kickoff but that's just, you know, but like, that's just like, a, I just, I got it. Like I get butterflies, you know, I, it's more like excitement, I guess, almost like nervous excitement. Right. So that'll happen. But uh, I'll be putting up all the outdoor Christmas decorations on Saturday to help me get through that. But yeah, Munson's dead. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to worry. Yeah. I don't gain anything from it. I would, I would tend to agree with that. I, I guess that that would effectively put you at a five or a, or below. I'll say this. I'll say <laughs> this. Five or you under. Know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the, this is the first game all season that it's like, you know, most of the games is like Georgia doesn't have to play close to its best game to win. Right. Like this game, do we have to play our, per, do we have to play our best to beat Alabama? I still think it's a level lower than that. I don't think we necessarily do. But I mean, yeah, I mean, this is this is for real. Like, this is a big game. This is by far the best team we've played. Um, I mean, it's the SEC championship. I'm, but but you know what? I mean, I'm excited for that. Yeah. So yeah, I guess uh, a five. I guess five. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's fair. Yeah, I mean, you're even keel going yes. in, going yeah. into this. Right. Right. Yep. Um, I would say that the 
the thing the thing that I kind of go back to is just again our, our our team right now has been largely driven by how well the offense performs, and our offense is pretty pretty well better than theirs um, in pretty much every aspect of of the game. So in every facet of the game, you know we are. Or in every facet of the of the offense, you know, I feel like that we have a substantially stronger upside than they do um, in our ability to basically, you know, be successful. Uh, if you look at the success rate numbers, it's probably one of the biggest disparate, you know, metrics that you could look at. You can look at yards per play. You know, we're basically uh, over a yard per play better than them on offense. Um, you look at third down. Look at third down numbers. Um, you know our offense is is better than their offense in terms of you know our successfulness. Um, I just made that up, but um, you know our third down our third down ability to 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 convert has been unparalleled in in, in the in the nation. I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that was something that they were talking about was that we were one of the best in the country at the, on third down conversion. So. You know, in a tight game, you know, when you need that first down to either ice the game or extend a drive that's going to score a touchdown or put points on the board, you know, I mean, every all, all of that being said is that this shapes up to a game where if you need points, our offense can get it. And I feel like that we can get it pretty quickly. Um, but I think that that's just one of those things that that we've been able to do throughout the, throughout the season is we've been able to, we've been able to figure things out on both offense and on defense. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Mark Davis, he's got a two-parter. The second one we already talked about. So he said, uh, I could see Georgia trying to stop the run and make Milro beat them through the air. So we talked about that earlier. We agreed on that. Um, But he said defensively um, for the Georgia defense, do you think, or sorry for the Alabama defense, do you think Alabama commits to stop the run or the pass game of Georgia? What, what are they going to try to take away? What are they going to try to take away? Um, yeah. So historically in this game, both teams try to take away the run. Yeah. I mean, I think back to all of our games. I mean, you know, it took it took Stetson, you know, airing it out in the fourth quarter um, mm-hmm. to, to win because we couldn't really get a whole lot going on the ground. Uh, 2012, um, it was a slog in 2012 uh, on the ground for us. Um, the the SEC, I don't know, it's hard to the SEC championship when we played them. I, I, I I'm convinced that there was a sickness that had impacted our ability, but I, I, it kind of seems like the anomaly in this entire. Yeah, argument. The, the problem was our defense in that game, not the offense. Right. I mean, the right. offense was trying to play catch up because the defense had. The floodgates open in the second quarter, right? Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that I mean Kirby's DNA is is a Nick Saban team, mm-hmm. and Nick Saban teams first and foremost stop the run. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I'm with you. Uh, let's see, Chili Dog. We can't possibly afford to spot Bama a TD on their first drive, can we? Oh, we're going to anyway. Cool. I'm not worried. Is that crazy? I don't think it's crazy. It's, I, don't know, I don't think it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's what this team has done. <laughs> so yeah. you're good. You're not alone there. You're not the good alone news there. is the good news is, is that they're not going to be phased by it because they, they, they witnessed the earth shatter at Tennessee. And I don't think that the Benz is going to be able to 
present that much of an intimidating factor in that regard because they basically came out in a raucous environment on the road almost unilaterally you know Tennessee fans by and large um it's not going to be that way in Atlanta and first play of the game they scored a touchdown and the entire stadium basically broke loose from you know reality and (laughs) I don't think that they're going to like I said that they've been there they've they've seen this adversity it's not going to phase them and I think that's the that's the big takeaway is that and you hear that in some of the player interviews that they talk about, like they, like Javon Bullard is probably the best example. If you want to go and look at his interviews on, um, look at his interviews and look at uh, the, the the latest episode of um, Kirby Smart All Access or UGA All Access, whatever it's called. You can stream it for free at georgiadogs.com. But basically they know that they're not out of it at any point. They're always, they're always going to be in the game. And that's the mentality that this team has. Agreed. All right, uh, the DGD podcast wants to know which position battle are y'all most excited to watch? He said, for example, like the receivers versus the secondary, the OL versus the DL, et cetera. Um, I've got one. I actually want to hone in on one of his and get a little more specific. Okay. Uh, So his receivers versus the secondary. I want to see Jermaine Burton versus Javon Bullard. Well, that's what I'm watching for. I mean, to a certain extent, they're – that will be there because I mean, Bullard it will be. where you're talking about is Lassiter versus no, nah, but Burton doesn't play the outside receiver. Burton is like the guy that goes in motion. Okay. I believe. So I'm not sure that's going to Burton is more like the, the, the Z or whatever. Okay. I thought that Lassiter was usually matched up on their best, on their best receiver. And it, it, in either way, like that would in the slot, that would be Tyke Smith, right? Yeah. But I just I just feel like the way Burton, the routes he runs and tries to go deep, I don't know. I, I could see that getting yeah, into for, I mean, Bullard's like area. I said, Bullard's going to have a lot of opportunity for sure. Um, I'm interested in okay. So if you want if you want to boil this down, um, if you look at if you look at the entirety of of these teams and and where where the matchups are the strongest in our favor is to your point the the secondary right so mm-hmm. our secondary versus their secondary is is probably going to be a pretty our our secondary versus their receivers is going to be a pretty favorable matchup because Jermaine Burton is their best receiver from a you know PFF grade or whatever mm-hmm. um he he grades out as at a, at an 82 right now um and that's that he's their highest graded it it took it took a georgia receiver ironically to be the best receiver on on their team (laughs) which is which is just wild to say out loud yeah um but everywhere else beyond that you know they're grading out at 73 or below okay um so our secondary versus their receivers if we're able to control burton and control you know all of all of their receivers. Um, like I said, that that's that's going to be a situation where if we're able to stop the run and put them into a uh, a position where they're they're having to throw the ball, yeah. I like the matchup of our our secondary versus you know versus their receivers because on yeah. our on the flip side, you know on our secondary, our lowest graded secondary position player is Dalen Everett, uh, Dalen Everett, which if if uh, if Humphrey. If, 
if Humphrey is back, you know, he's going to be, he's, he's probably going to be sitting the bench and I, Humphrey's Humphrey's not graded out here, but um, you know, if you take Dan Everett out, our lowest graded, you know, secondary position is Dan Jackson at 75. Hmm. So yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at those matchups and, and you like, you like that. Um, some other, some other matchups, you know, our running backs versus their linebackers. That maybe. was my, that was my second one. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a pretty even matchup. I mean, you know, grades, the grades on Edwards and Milton, you know, 78 and 80, 88, you know, Dejan's at 78 and Kendall's at 88. Um, Dallas Turner's their highest graded, uh, or sorry, Chris Bradwell, Braswell, um, a, a defensive end. He's, he grades out at an 82 um, on the edge, and Dallas Turner is is 80 80.5. So, like like I said, you know they've got they've got some players they've got some players out there on the front seven. Got it, got it. All right, let's see. Uh, Joshua 24 fan. Why was Tech able to have continued success running the ball, and what can the Georgia defense defense do differently when they play Alabama? Um, I. I I'm really not reading anything into what happened against tech. Honestly. Um, I think we yeah. played, I think it's, I think it's scheme. So I think it's, we're not going to play vanilla at this. So we're at the point now where the long con is over. Uh, we're going to empty the clip everywhere on both sides of the ball. Like there's no need to hold anything back now. Um, so I don't know. I'm not, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about what happened to tech. I'm not saying that like Alabama can't run because you know, they got Milro. Is a scramble. It's going to be hard to stop, but I wouldn't worry about what you saw against Tech comparing that to Alabama. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if Saban had any rat poison. Were they holding out their best receivers, their best players, their best offensive linemen? I don't think that that was the case. Um, I mean, they had to right. win. They had to win a literal shootout against Auburn. Um, literally coming down, their entire season came down to that fourth and what thirty, fourth and thirty-one. <laughs> Fourth and thirty-one. Fourth and thirty-one. Is this? Yeah. So this is this is John Michael D had said. Uh, did both Kirby and Saban shoot for some rat poison slash manufactured adversity this weekend, or was Alabama just that bad? Is it possible to get an Eli Gold call as good as the pick six again? Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I don't think it was rat poison on the Saban side. I, Auburn, Alabama, Auburn. You know, because Auburn has done that. You're at Jordan here. Um, I think that was more rivalry game some fluky things happen uh and we, I mean, shoot, we saw auburn do that against us so not so much there i think for with us we've seen that exact same thing happen earlier in the season um it would be hard to get a better eli gold call as good as the big six it would be hard to get that um i'm trying to think of a scenario that would be good um i mean all right so what what well, here, here's a scenario for you let's say they're in a fourth and 31 against georgia mm-hmm. and we and we do the smart thing and and rush three or four right right and yeah. and we're able to sack him like right and that would and, be and and milrose sacked <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah anyway yeah i, know, they were I, sick. I, I, I think it wouldn't be as delicious it wouldn't be as delicious. it would still be pretty tasty Agreed. Agreed. Uh, let's see. Tim Riley, friend of the show, Tim Riley. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with him. Who are the offensive and defensive MVPs for our dogs on Saturday? Mm. I mean, I, 
I've got to go with Bullard because he's I've like got to go I'll, with Bullard on the he's, defense. He's always he's a defensive MVP. <laughs> he's he's my favorite. He's my favorite dog right now, dude. He's my favorite dog. Yeah. yeah. Uh, check out his show in the Players Lounge. He's he's hilarious. Yeah. He's, if you, him if and you, him and Jackson Meeks. Yeah. If you haven't watched Javon Bullard, like just talk. Like the the guy just he's he he comes across very humble, but he is very much aware of how good he is. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we agree on the defense. Yeah, yeah, we agree on the defense. Offensive MVP is going to be Carson Beck. Okay. Okay. My plan was that if you said Carson Beck, I was going to say Kendall Milton, and if you said anyone other than Carson Beck, I was going to say Carson Beck. <laughs> so I'm just going to disagree, just to have a little fun, John. Nice. I like it. All right. That's it for the list of questions. Are you ready? Let's hear it. It is time for coaches over unders SEC championship versus Alabama edition. All right, John, I still have the lead, even though moment by moment you've been creeping up on me. I have the lead. So I, I choose keep, to go first. Keep chopping. You're going to keep chopping. chopping. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Starting with the Georgia offense over under. 275 passing yards for the Georgia offense. I'm going to go over. I'm also going to go over. All right. Over to you. Over under 400 yards of offense total for Georgia. Over. I'm going to agree. Over. And then my turn. Over under two and a half rushing touchdowns. That's to you, right? Or that is for me. That yeah. is for me. I'm, I'm I'm thinking here. I was, I'm trying to do math with my score because David Lee gets mad at us when they don't add up. But hey, you had your bets. I guess it doesn't matter. I'm going to say over. I'm going to go under. Okay. All right, over to you. On the defense, uh, over under one and a half touchdowns by Alabama in the first half. In the first half? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go under. Okay. I'll go under. That doesn't let you gain on me. Haha, <laughs> strategy. All right, my turn. Uh, We've over- reached that point in the season. Over under <laughs> 75 rushing yards for JM4. That would be Jalen Milrow. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under. All right. Uh, over to you. Over under four and a half receptions for Jermaine Burton. I'm going to go under. Mm. Mm. Man, I really, that's, that's like so tasty. I'm going to go under. Uh, special teams. So I guess it's my turn, right? My turn. Yeah. Special teams, total field goals attempted by both teams. Uh, Three and a total half by both teams. Yeah, three and a half total. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go over. Okay. And then for you, last one, miscellaneous. CBS broadcast references to both 2021 games versus Bama. Uh, over under five and a half. I'm gonna go under. Mm, do I test fate with a miscellaneous? <laughs> Define a reference. Give me- <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under to match you and, and not let not let the uh, miscellaneous take us off the rails on the on the standings. <laughs> Shout out to Coach Trail. Thanks for always. Thanks as always for submitting them, and uh, appreciate you checking them as well. Jim Jim's trying to Kirby death march me on the over unders. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> She's just waiting out the. She's grinding out the clock on me. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. All right. Time to get for our final predictions. Um, so for input, 
uh, CBC R2 Sam, our friends at Chapel Bill Curve and uh, Dog Quant over there, have a predicted score <laughs> of Georgia 25.7 to Alabama 21. Hmm. Um, looking at the spread, I looked at this up on Odd Shark. So Georgia is now a six point favorite. So it's been in flux a bit this week. Uh, changed when I put this together yesterday, it was five and a half. Now it moved to six. I thought um, it opened, didn't it open at four? I had heard that. Yeah. When I looked at Nod Shark, it was, I think it was four like last week before all the games or something. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, I think it was five or sorry, Sunday morning, it opened to five from what I saw today. But, um, <clears throat> but it's been bet down to six. Uh, so I guess that means money is coming in on Georgia. Over under at 54 points. That gives an implied score of Georgia 30 to Alabama 24. Um, the Odd Shark predicted score is Georgia 40.8. To Alabama 31.2. So they've got a bit more of a shootout. Um, the college football nerds modeler has Georgia 29 to Alabama 19.2. Um, and then the last thing, the scoring impact that I do. Uh, so Alabama is averaging 32 points on offense versus the power five. They have been allowing 21.6 points on defense against the power five. Georgia's offensive impact, they scored 9.8 points more than teams allow and hold teams on defense to 10.94 points fewer than they score. So if you do that math, that would give us Georgia 31, like Georgia 31 and a half to Alabama 21.3. So all these things are pointing towards, towards a, a dog's victory. John, you want to go first? Or do you want me to go? I'll let you go first and then I'll, 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 I'll put on my mic drop out there. Okay. So for me, I, I, I think, um, you know, in the past, we've gone into these games like, can we beat Alabama? We we now we now know that we can. Um, so I'm not going to go into this whole like, can we do it and Mercedes Benz and, and all these things. You know, I think Georgia has the better football team. Uh, I think we protect the football. We play our, our brand of football. Uh, we should come away with a win. So I'm going to go actually like right along with what the impact is. I'm going to go Georgia 31 Alabama 21. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Um, you know, uh, when we started putting these stats together, you know, we, we started talking about the, the, uh, the scoring impact. I feel like we need to put that out there because hmm. our, our model, the, the, my got a podcast model, <laughs> um, yeah. is, has been pretty, uh, on par with some of these other score scoring predictors. Right. 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 Which our model is literally just how does our team perform against everyone else? Yeah. And how do we impact them versus everything else? Right. Yep. Like what's yep. our average? Right. Exactly. Which in my opinion is probably the bigger indicator. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to throw mine out there, Jim. I'm going to say 3318. Nice. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, I would have to have some Buffalo Trace and Nutter Butters after that score. Look at it last time. Buffalo Trace, Nutter Butters. What was the Nutter Butters that you sent? Uh, you sent some pictures of recently that were like that was yeah. So after after we beat Tech, because I was with my dad. So you know, my dad and I had Nutter Butters and Buffalo Trace in Indianapolis at the hotel. Um, yes. And so that's now that's just like whenever we're together, that's our post game celebration. So we it's... did that at at Trip uh, after we beat Tech this past weekend. Yeah. But somebody sent like a picture of of like nutter butter, like some kind of flavored nutter butters that we were all kind of like, what? Like uh, Kit Kat? We're like Kit Kat nutter butters or something like that. I don't even remember that. Now I got to go look that up. 
what yeah i, I could have sworn it was on the, it was on one of our text threads or someone tweeted us like i can't remember that's gonna we'll bother me it. we'll find it's it. gonna bother me <laughs> uh well it's a, a big weekend of college football we talked about the playoff stuff um but just you know for the games impacting the playoff so you got oregon and washington is friday night at eight o'clock um so number three versus number five I think the winner of that game is in the playoff. Um, and then you've got Saturday at noon, Oklahoma State against Texas. Um, so even if Texas wins, though, they need help. Um, but if Oklahoma State beats Texas, that starts to throw some things a bit awry. Um, same, uh, the other the other games are in the evening after our game will have wrapped. Uh, so you got Louisville, number 14, Louisville against number four, Florida State in Charlotte uh, at 8 o'clock for the ACC Championship. And then number 16, Iowa against number two, Michigan in Indianapolis at eight o'clock um, for the big 10 championship. So I think Pac-12 champ is in um, and then we'll see where everything falls with the rest of the everything else. Oh, Pac-12. Talk about talk about things that are ending, right? Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Ne- ne- neither of those schools will be in the Pac-12. After this right. Year. Who, so who do you got in those games, Jim? All right, I, I've got Oregon in the Pac-12. I like Oregon. Um, I've got Oregon there. I've got I've got it'll Texas. Be, it'll be like Dan Lanning pulling a Kirby on the uh, on the old rematch situation. Exactly. I mean, I I feel like Oregon should have won the first game anyway. Um, I felt like uh, they got a little too aggressive on going for it on fourth down for my take. Um, I feel like they won the rematch. I feel like they've been more consistent than Washington, honestly. Right. Um. I got Texas over Oklahoma State in the Big 12 <clears throat> championship. Yeah. yeah. Um, I agree with that. We got Florida State, Louisville. You know, Louisville coming off a loss to Kentucky, but Florida State, you know, they don't have the quarterback. Um, given the fact that Kentucky just uh, embarrassed them, yeah. I'm probably going to go with Florida State on this one with the backup. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and- I, I just I, I don't see I don't see them losing that game with. So much, um, so much at stake. Yeah, I don't either. And then you got uh, Michigan, Iowa. I mean, that's going to be. I would imagine Michigan. You know, they probably won't because it's the Big Ten. It probably won't be like crazy high scoring, but I think it'll be. I don't see it being a, even a scare for Michigan. Yeah, Harbaugh's I mean, back, right? Harbaugh's back. They get Harbaugh back. Do they? Yeah, I think he was suspended for the remainder of the regular season. Is from what I recall. How amazing would it be if they lost this game after he comes back? <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. Yeah, I I think that there's – I mean, I, I don't see a reasonable way that they lose that game. But um, you know what? Hey, man, was it Kirk Ferentz, right? Like, he's, he's, the, he's the head coach at Iowa, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that guy that – guy, they they've been living and dying on defense, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they <laughs> the over under for their games is usually like uh well, it's like 23 and a half or whatever. Like it's always super low. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh Michigan, they don't they don't really like like to throw the ball a whole lot, right? Um no. like, like yeah, like that like that McCarthy guy, right? He's he's their quarterback. And I feel like a I feel like uh, Josh had put some stats out today talking about the quarterback performances over time, and you look at like the total attempts for McCarthy versus everyone else. Like, yes, he's doing really great, but like he's just not throwing the ball nearly as much as everybody else. 
it's right. it's kind of interesting if you saw those if you saw those graphs like the the upward trend of you know different quarterbacks throughout the country like you know Carson Beck's basically been on a steady on a, just a steady increase. Um, Milrose had a pretty decent uptick that's built, been a little bit sharper as the season went went along. Penix has kind of flatlined in terms of his progression, and McCarthy's like been you know progressively getting better, but like he's just so far behind everyone else in attempts. Yeah, yeah. If that's the case, and this turns into like a, a you know. Michigan's trying to impose its will on the ground and not throwing the ball like they have been all season. Like that could be that could be a recipe for a close game. So I don't know. I don't see I don't see them losing it, but I can see a world in which that gets to be a, a, a very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I, I that that's possible. <clears throat> that's possible. And the team doesn't know how to play with Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. They're like, who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> right. Or or uh, they're like, oh, coach, where are the where are the plays? <laughs> where, yeah. where, where, where are they going to run? Right. Right. Uh, all right. Well, I know. So so you're you're you'll be watching at home, right? Is it that's the plan for Saturday? Uh, yeah. I, I had I had thoughts that I might go down there. I could I could probably still pull that together with the kids and and, and I had I had visions of going down there to experience like you know SEC fanfare and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Darius Rucker is playing a concert um, at, at SEC fanfare this weekend. South Carolina fan, but okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's at Centennial Park, if I remember correctly. I feel like I, we mentioned it on the podcast uh, before. Um, but uh, I I really enjoy going down and like you know walking around the whole fan experience thing. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. Uh. The rain. The rain has me a little a little worried. So I'm I'm going to be watching the weather there. Gotcha. Carter's going. Carter's been invited to a buddy's a buddy of his house. So he definitely wouldn't be going with me. So that would mean that I would have to take either my teen or my younger kids that doesn't set up very well for a, for a tailgate. So right. Most likely we will, if, even if I were to go down and experience it in the morning, would probably still be coming home to watch. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll be doing the annual wood thing where we finalize all the Christmas decorations, particularly outside. They'll be doing all the outside decorations on Saturday to, to keep myself busy and then uh, head into the house Watch the game. Weather, we'll see how the weather is. Might actually watch this one inside. Might be a little too cold outside. We'll check. Um, but we'll see. But we'll have the we'll have the bean dip. We'll have okay. Pondus Tennis bean dip together. So that sounds amazing. Um uh, you know, I might have to make some Pondus famous bean dip this weekend mm. just just for mm. just for I, consistency steak. I think you should. Um all right. So I do have a, a clarification. Uh so Darius Rucker is playing Saturday, December second. At twelve o'clock at SEC Fanfare, live on Marty and McGee, um, oh, okay. the SEC Network. Um, it is going to be inside at the World Congress Center, so it is a free live concert at twelve o'clock Saturday, December second. Okay. Um, nice. So yeah, so that, that that could that could be fun. Um, yeah, yeah. SEC Fanfare being free is always is always interesting. So yeah, I I enjoy it when I've gone there and and gone to it. It's always a good time. Yeah. All right, man. The regular season is done. Mm. Uh the last the last season of college ball as we know it. And uh had From had here, to had to be these guys, right? From here everything changes. I would love for the, the final the final game 
on CBS to be a big, fat, massive L for the fighting pachyderms. Uh, agreed. Those those land grab those land grabbers in Tuscaloosa have got to go down, Jim. They they must they must atone for their sins. They must be stopped. <laughs> exactly. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a fun. It's gonna be a fun afternoon, regardless of regardless of of how it goes. Um, you know, with with the plans and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm hoping that the rain stays off, but I'm definitely gonna be watching the weather pretty closely because I would love to have the the game outside like I did last week. That was fun. Kids kids enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, man, uh, it should be it should be a good game regardless. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, this is. We're game, game days in town. We haven't even mentioned that game yeah, days game, in town. Game will <laughs> be there. I mean, this is you know, you know. I, I feel like we're not as much considering what we're trying to do. I feel like you would think we would get talked about a little bit more. I mean, you know, we're trying to do something that has basically never been done. Has never been done in the modern era with the three peat. I mean, it hinges on this game. I mean, right. um, and yeah, I mean, you know, like like why not us? Why not? Why not end this era? Of, of college football um you know on a th- on a run for a three-peat and uh it, it starts here we've got to do it here to to make that uh to keep that reality so yeah i mean ohio uh, michigan just just beat ohio state uh cfp you know big time big time cfp cfp ranking and they still kept georgia number one yeah um yeah we have a chance to do you know i don't was it was it earlier this season? You know that that no team had gone wire to wire AP number one mm, but it, in the CFP only, era. There was only a handful of teams that have ever done that. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't. Remember. It might have been no one in the CFP era, but <clears throat> either way, it's it's very difficult to go wire to wire number one, and yeah. we've got a chance to do it. Three peats on the line. Uh, you know, last send send Gary out. You know, everybody loves everybody <laughs> loves to hate on Gary. You know, he's a big, big Alabama fan, right? Like, why does Gary love Alabama? Yeah. Uh, I, let, let's send him out unhappy, you know? That's, that's, that's the only way we could do it. Agreed. Agreed. All right, man. Well, you guys have fun. You guys have fun with uh, with Ponda's famous bean dip um, <laughs> up there, and I'm going to try to replicate on my side. Any, any, I, I have, I have, I'm going to try to acquire a, a special bourbon for this weekend. Is there any special bourbons that you're trying to get this weekend? Um, no, I might maybe go into the cabinet because you know, I, I have things that I haven't opened. So I may go into the cabinet and open something I haven't opened. But I mean, like I said, man, I'm going to stick to, I'm stick, sticking to this Yellowstone probably actually. Keep the take, main take thing. The, how, how was the Yellowstone, by the way? It's, it's good. It's excellent. Okay. Um, But, you know, like I said, taking the train track and every time Georgia scores, we're going to hear that train, that train whistle or horn in the bends, uh, knowing that we're taking Alabama to the train track. Yes, I love it. All right, let's end on that. Go dogs. Go dogs. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.